0: Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Callaway in your app store. Now most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Hey, so here's a question that we all have asked ourselves at some point or another. Is it possible for two people to stay in love, happy together forever? Now, while all of you people who are in love or you want to be in love are thinking about this, let me talk for just a second to all of you who are Single, you don't have anybody, maybe you want to be in a relationship one day, maybe you are not going to ever be in a relationship again, and you're thinking, oh, wonderful. It is Valentine's, you hate Valentine's, it's Valentine's, and now we're in a relationship series. I just want you to know, I get you, I get you, okay? So we're, we're going to make this where this is helpful to you as well, because I was single until I was 32, so I know exactly what it feels like to go to every family gathering and my grandmother look at me and say, so, Matt... And I just wanted to start walking in going, the answer is no, before anybody asks. You know, like, the answer is no, just move on. So, so I totally get that. So if that's you, I understand. But we're going to talk about some relationship principles throughout this series that you can actually apply to any relationship. These, these work in friendships. These work in coworker relationships, you know, all the different uh, places we interact with people. So you're smart enough to figure out what that looks like and how to connect those dots. But I do want to spend the next few weeks talking about specifically how these relationships look in dating and marriage relationships. And I think this question is really important. If I ask you, is it possible for two people to stay in love, happy together forever, how would you answer that? And why would you answer it that way? For some of you, you are so confident you would say, absolutely, yes it is, yes it is, yes it is. And the reason you would say that is because you are or you were happily married, you stayed in love with somebody for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 20 years, however long it was, and so you experience this, and you're certain it's possible. Others of you, this is the way it works, isn't it? You're either on the far end of this where you're certain it's possible, or others of you, you're at the very beginning, you're engaged, or you're just married, and you're certain it's possible because you got all the feels right now. So it's just that's just awesome, and then you find everybody in the middle who's not so sure, but, but on the front end the back end, people are really sure. So some of you are confident the answer is yes, but there are others of you. When you look at your marriage right now, or you look at your relationship right now, or you look at a previous marriage or previous relationships, or when you look at your parents' marriage maybe, or marriages, when you look at... The marriages your friends have had, when you look at what your coworkers, what you hear them say about marriage, your answer might be a little different. Your answer might be, I'm not so sure for most people if it really is possible to absolutely stay in love, happy together forever. I'll see people who are staying together, but they're not happy together. They're just together. And yet, no matter how you would answer this question, no matter why you would answer it that way, here's what I know about you. Even if you have had one painful experience after another in relationships, you still hope this is true for you. You do. I've never met anybody who didn't hope this was true. While it may not be true for most people, and while you may not have experienced it up to this point, you really do hope that you're going to be able to fall in love and stay in love to the very end with somebody. You know, When you get to the end and you're not the richest, the prettiest, the cutest, the fittest, the most talented, the whatever, when you're old and all that stuff has kind of gone away, You hope that you're still in love with somebody more on that day than you've ever been before, and they are still in love with you. There is something in all of us that just wants this to be true. The question is, how do you make that happen? How do you make that happen? If I said to you, okay, tell me, what what do you think is the secret? How do two people stay in love, happy together forever? What would you tell me? What a lot of people say is, well, I think it's all about meeting the right person. If you can just meet the right person, and you fall in love, and you find your soulmate. This is what I call the falling in love myth. I don't think this is true, but it's the idea that if I fall in love, then I'll stay in love. Now, the reason I don't think this is true is because you know a lot of people, and you've had this experience yourself. You know a lot of people who have fallen in love, and they have not stayed in love. You know a lot of people who at one point it was like, oh yeah, they're the one, that's the right person for me, and then later on they were like, that is definitely not the right person for me. So I don't think this is actually it, as much as we want it to be it, and that doesn't sound really romantic, but I think falling in love is a little bit overrated, and here's why. Falling in love requires a pulse. Anybody can fall in love. Staying in love requires a plan. If you've got a pulse, you can fall in love with anybody. As a matter of fact, to prove it, you have fallen in love with people that you have never met before. That sounds ridiculous, but think back to when you were a teenager. You fell in love with people you saw on a movie screen. Oh my gosh, if I could just... Or you fell in love with somebody that you you saw at a concert... Or you fell in love with somebody that you saw out somewhere. You fell in love with somebody that you you only swiped right and it was like, oh, that's them, you know. You you have done this. You have fallen in love with somebody and been so excited about somebody and you didn't even know them. Falling in love is way overrated. Falling in love requires a pulse. Staying in love actually requires a plan. But I think part of the reason we think falling in love is so important, and the reason I know it is, is because of the language we use. How often have you talked to somebody? whose relationship was ending, and they said, I thought they were my soulmate, but I, I don't think they are. I thought they were the right person. I fell in love with them, but I'm just not in love with them anymore. And they don't use this language. But basically, what they describe is, well, I fell in love with them and now have fallen out of love with them. I don't even know how that works. But it's like they, they talk as if something, and some of you, you've done this. You felt as if something just happened. It wasn't your choice. You just fell into something, and then you fell out of something, so i got to go find the right person. The problem with that is staying in love has a lot less to do with finding the right person and a lot more to do with becoming the right kind of person. But none of us like to talk about that. That's not nearly as exciting. As a matter of fact, we all fantasize about meeting the right person. None of us fantasize about becoming the right person. None of us sit there and dream about, oh, one day when I am this kind of person, this is just going to be so amazing. And my character, you know, and then I'll have a, no, no. We all just fantasize about meeting right person. But it's way more about this. It's way more about you and I figuring out how to become the right kind of person. But again, this doesn't feel nearly as romantic. You have never watched a movie that the entire movie was devoted to somebody focusing on becoming the right kind of person so they could stay in love forever. There's no romantic comedy with that plot line, is there? It's all about meeting the right kind of person. But the reality is in real life, in real relationships, this is way more important than this. Speaking of this, while we're on this subject, the other thing that some of us think is, well, here's what I, here's what I think it takes to stay in love. You just got to be committed. You ever heard anybody say that? Some of you, this is what you've thought. Well, yeah, you just got to stay committed. No, 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 it takes a lot more than commitment. I mean, Valentine's is coming up. What do you, how do you think it's going to go If the person that you care about, if you're in a relationship, if they look at you and say, do you love me? And you look back and say, I'm committed to you. They're going to go, that's not what I ask. I mean, who who wants to be in a relationship where it's like, do you love them? No, not really, but I am really committed. I'm committed. We're just going to fight through all the pain. You know, I'm committed. Now, commitment's good. I'm not downplaying commitment, all right? Commitment's good, and commitment's a part of it. But you don't want to be in a relationship where you get to the end of your life and go, what was that marriage like? It was hard, but boy, I stayed committed the whole time. Pat me on the back. I mean, that, that's not what you want. That's not what it looks like to stay in love, happy together forever. Now, you know this in other parts of life. You know that just making a promise to somebody doesn't really change anything. A promise is no substitute for preparation. If you're, you know, if you promise to do well on a test, and some of you did this when you were in school, you promised your parents, I will do good on that test. But you knew a promise was no substitute for preparation. If you didn't study and work hard to get ready for the test, it didn't matter. In work, you can promise to make a great presentation. It is no substitute for preparing to give a great presentation. But somehow when it comes to marriage, we think, well, as long as I make a promise, and he makes a promise or she makes a promise, well, then everything must be okay. We're going to be fine. So we have these wedding ceremonies, and nothing against them, but we have these wedding ceremonies where we come together and we say, I do, and we make these big promises. And then we walk out and we have a reception and we think everything's going to be great. We had a promise, we had a party, we're going to stay in love forever. It just doesn't work that way. Basically what happens when two people get married and next time you're at a wedding, if you want to just ruin all the feels, just think about this. You got two people up there who are promising things to one another that they may not be capable of keeping those promises at all. Were you, Those of you who are married, were you fully capable of keeping those promises when you made them? No, you were not. You didn't know what you were promising, did you? Until you got into it. What happens is this. A promise makes you accountable. It does not make you capable so when two people stand and say, I do and I do and for better or worse, richer or poor, sickness and in health, they are making one another or each other accountable. That's what they're doing. I'm now accountable to you to keep this promise I made to you, and you're accountable to me. But nothing about that makes them capable. When you say I do, something magical doesn't happen at that wedding ceremony where you have all the things you need to keep to be capable of keeping a promise. And when you're accountable to keep a promise, but you're not capable of keeping a promise, being accountable without being capable eventually makes you miserable, doesn't it? Because you start breaking promises, and you're miserable because you know you're not keeping your word. They're miserable because you're not keeping your word, and everything spirals. So there's got to be more than, well, I just need to meet the right person and find a soulmate. There's got to be more than, well, we fell in love, so we're going to be good. There's got to be more than, well, we promised and we're committed, so it's all going to be fine. you got to have a plan. you got to have a plan to become the kind of person who is capable of keeping the promises that you have made to somebody else. So my question to you then is this. Who has taught you the plan? Who showed you what it takes to stay in love, happy together forever? I bet for most of us, the answer is, well, nobody ever sat us down and talked to us about a plan. Are you kidding me? Like, we planned the wedding. Nobody ever talked to us about planning the relationship, planning how to stay in love. That never even came up. And for many of you, and this is unfortunate, but for many of you, the only plan you have, and you've never thought of it this way, but the only plan you have for how a marriage should work is the marriage you saw your parents have now for a few of you this is great news because you grew up in a home where they had an extraordinary marriage and they stayed in love happy together forever so you saw the plan and you didn't realize what a gift it was but they modeled for you exactly what to do and then you've just been following that model you didn't even think of it that way but for many of you you grew up in homes where that's not the kind of marriage you saw And you grew up going, I'm not going to be like them. And then what happened? You've gotten older and you handle your relationships like they handle their relationship. Because you just don't know any different. You don't even realize you're doing it. But it's the only thing you've seen. And what you had modeled to you was, well, do unto them as they deserve to have done to them. Do unto them as you're in the mood to do. Do unto them until they do what you want them to do. This is what you watch growing up. Manipulate, use anger, use sarcasm, use silence, use let's just freeze them out, use whatever it takes to get what you want. And so that's what was modeled, and that's what you've done. That's what was modeled, and that's what seems normal to you in a relationship. And nobody's, it's not your fault. Nobody's ever explained to you. No, no, no. Staying in love requires a plan, but there's a plan that you can follow. There's some things you can do to become the kind of person who can stay in love, happy together forever. So, for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. And it's going to take us all four weeks to unpack this plan. You're not going to be able to get it all or practice it all in a week. But we're going to unpack it over the next few weeks. And for those of you who are in great relationships right now, this is going to help you fine-tune it. But for those of you who are in relationships where you're struggling, where it's painful, or you've had past relationships that have just not turned out the way you want them to, and you don't want to repeat them again, here's what this plan's going to do. It's going to help you find and pinpoint exactly what the problem was. And then it's going to help you know exactly what you need to do to fix it. Now, the plan was spelled out for us by the Apostle Paul. Now, here's why I say that. Because Paul believed, at least for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that we should take very seriously Jesus' command when he said, you should love one another the way I've loved you. So whenever Paul would start these churches and talk to these new Christians, he would say, here's your marching orders. Your job is to love one another the way Jesus has loved you. But most of them had never seen that modeled. And so as Paul would write letters to them, he would have to explain in detail, okay, here's what that looks like, and here's what you need to do. Here's what it looks like, here's what you need to do. He wrote, uh, one example of this is he wrote a detailed list in a letter he wrote to Christians in Corinth. These Corinthians had never, if you knew much about their culture, you would, they would never ever saw this modeled. They did not live in a world where they ever saw people love one another like Jesus loved them. They, none of them grew up in households where it was modeled for them. So they're starting from scratch, and Paul's trying to help them understand And in doing so, he gives us a great starting point for this plan of how to stay in love, happy together forever. So, I want to read you part of this. I'm not going to read it all to you, but you already have heard it because these are the most famous words Paul wrote. They've been used at weddings galore, but we listen to them at weddings and we go, oh, that's so nice and that's so sweet. We never actually connect the dots. And if you really want to ruin a wedding next time, sit there and as they're reading it, think to yourself, I wonder if those two people up there actually have what it takes to do that. And you'll probably go, mm, I'm not so sure. You know, Because again, you'll start to see, wait a minute, we make these promises all the time that we're not capable of keeping. And you'll begin to realize just how important it is to, to focus on not finding the right person, but focus on becoming the kind of person who can love the way Paul instructs us to love and become the kind of person who can honor and value somebody else the way Jesus is honored And valued us. So let me just read you a little bit of this today. We're not going to go through it all. We'll pick it up next week. Here's what he has to say. You've heard this. Paul said, love is patient. Love is patient. This was his way of going, okay, if you want to stay in love, happy together forever, step one, let's just start with the basics. Step one, you have to learn to be a patient person because love is patient. It is not pushy. It does not pressure. Anytime you pressure or push in a relationship, you are not being loving. Here's one way to think of it. Love chooses to pause and move at the other person's pace. This is all Paul's saying. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, and you want to know how well am I doing at loving them, well, how well do you do at pausing and moving at the pace of the other person? Are you always pushing? Are you always pressuring? Are you always trying to speed them up? Are you always trying to get them to keep up? Are you always running off and leaving them? What I mean by this practically is when you're loving in a patient way, then, then you move at their pace with conversations. You have noticed that people, they process conversations differently, right? You choose to move at their pace in how they process things and how they have conversations You choose to move at their pace in terms of how they make decisions. Well, just make a decision. Can we just, just please, you're driving me crazy. Just make a decision. No, no, no. Paul says, nope, you're pressuring, you're pushing. Love always pauses to move at the pace of the other person. What are we going to do about the kids? Why don't you just, let's just do, no. You pause and move at the pace of the other person. How are we going to handle this challenge? You pause and move at the pace of the other person. To which some of you are thinking, we will never, ever get there if I go at their pace. I get it. I understand that. But there's something way bigger than getting there that you're trying to accomplish. You're forgetting the big picture. The big picture is the strength of your relationship. The big picture is staying in love, happy together forever. It's not just getting to that point as fast as you want to get to it. So love pauses to move at the pace of somebody else. It does not pressure. It is not pushy. Now, just real quick, for those of you who aren't in a relationship, but you hope to be one day, or you're in a dating relationship, you're just not married yet, this is a big deal. You should pay really careful attention to this when you're dating someone. And I'll tell you why. Because if they don't have patience now, if they tend to be pushy and pressure you in some area now, It will not get better when you get married. I can promise you that. So you should pause and just ask yourself, am I okay with living with this and worse for the rest of my life? Because what happens, if you don't believe me, just ask the married people. What happens is, once you get married, you don't become more patient, you become less patient. That's what happens. Somehow we think when we get married, well, all that will disappear, you know. They're not real patient now, but they'll be fine when they're, no, no, no. Cupid is not off on the side at the wedding shooting a patience arrow right into your tail. That's not going to happen, all right? You're not going to get better, you're going to get worse. The best version of the person that you're dating, you're seeing it right now. When they get married, then there's no reason for them to hold off on this. If they're not patient, you're going to see full bore how impatient they are. So you've got to pay attention to this. Because love, again, love never pressures. Love is never pushy. And whenever you find yourself in a relationship pressuring and pushing somebody, you are not being loving. You are undermining the very thing that you ultimately want the most. Paul goes on. He says, not only is love patient, but love is kind, which sounds so soft, at least us guys. Love is kind. Well, what's that about? But it's not soft. This actually requires extraordinary strength and self-control. Here's what Paul's getting at. Kindness is loaning someone your strength, Not reminding them of their weakness. This is what kindness looks like. Paul says, you want to stay in love, happy together forever? All right, here's what it takes. You have to respond to weakness by loaning somebody your strength. Kindness is love's response to weakness. What do you mean by weakness, Matt? I mean this. Oh, there you go again. I can't believe it. How many times have we talked about this? You, did. you said you weren't going to spend that much. You spent that much again. You said you were going to stick to, but you didn't stick to. You said, look at this room. You said you were going to clean up. What have you been doing all day? Look at this. I, mean, you st- I don't understand. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to respond without kindness to someone else's weakness. How come you can never get that figured out? How come you always mess that up? See, when, when you see somebody responding with harshness to weakness... With criticism to weakness. With judgment to weakness. With anger to weakness. That's a problem. You know what love does? Love leans in and says, I know that's a weakness for you, but it's my strength. How can I help you? Not, I cannot believe you've done it again. How many times have we talked about this? It's no, no, no. It's a weakness for you. How can I help? I'm strong where you're weak. I'll loan you my strength. That's what love does. Again, if you're in a dating relationship, or one day if you, you know, when you are, you got to pay careful attention to this. Not how the person you're dating responds to your weakness. They will probably respond to your weakness with all kinds of kindness. You know why? Because they're trying to keep you. We are on our best behavior when we're dating. You should watch how they respond to the weakness of other people. And if they respond to weakness with harshness, criticism, judgment, anger, condescension, big red flag. Because if they will do it to other people now, they will do it to you in the future. And two people who stay in love happy together forever have figured out how to respond to each other's weaknesses with kindness. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to loan you my strength and help you to get better in an area. I'm going to loan you my strength and do for you what is difficult for you to do for yourself because I'm going to need you to do that for me in another area. Paul says love is patient. It's not pushy. It doesn't pressure. It pauses and moves at the pace of somebody else, and love is kind. Love has enough strength and self-control not to respond with harshness to someone's mistake. Not to respond with harshness to someone's weakness, but to loan their strength and respond with kindness. And then he says this. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. Love steps out of the spotlight and lets someone else shine. It steps out of the spotlight and it lets the other person shine. In other words, in a relationship where two people have learned how to love one another deeply, they always put the spotlight on the other person. It is not a competition. It is not, oh, I'm threatened by their success. It is not, oh, there they go again, they're so good at that and I'm so terrible at that, so let me talk about the things I'm good at because it'll make me feel better. And you don't even connect those dots at the time, but that's why we all do it. It's, no, 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 I want to celebrate them and where they're strong. I want to celebrate them and where they succeed. You know why that's so hard to do? Because so many of us have jealousy and envy and insecurity and pride rattling around inside of us. We don't even realize it, but it's there. So when I see them succeed, as much as I feel like I love them, there is something in me that is threatened by their success. And I feel like I have to point out my success. Or there's something in me that's so threatened by their success, I've got to try to remind them of where they're not successful to pull them back down to where I feel like I am. And Paul says, love doesn't do that. Love always takes the spotlight off of themselves and onto the other person. Here's what this looks like practically. If you're in a relationship right now, guys, guys, How often do you brag publicly on the woman you love? Ladies, how often do you celebrate and brag on the man that you love? Now, ladies, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I cannot do that. You should see how big his head is already. I get that. I get that. Listen, let me help you out, ladies, and this is going to be hard for you to believe, but just trust me. Life and God have a great way of humbling us. They do. It's never as fast as you ladies want it to be. But life and God have a great way of humbling us. You actually don't have to worry about humbling us. We will get there and it will stick. God will make sure of it. The best thing you can do, and guys, the best thing you can do for your ladies is to say, you know what, I'm not going to publicly try to tear them down. I'm not going to publicly try to pull them down. I'm not going to publicly point out the areas where they're not strong or successful. Nope. Publicly, the only thing I'm going to do is celebrate their success. The only thing I'm going to do is brag. The only thing I'm going to do is have positive things to say about them. No matter what's going on inside of me, if it's threatening me, you know what? I'm going to deal with me and all that stuff rattling around in me, but I'm not going to let it impact them, and I'm not going to let it impact us. I'm going to take the spotlight, and I'm going to keep it right on them and not on myself. I'm not going to try to one-up their story with one of my own. I'm I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm just going to celebrate them. And when we're in a conversation with somebody and the whole conversation becomes about them and how great they're doing and, you know, how wonderful they are at this, I'm not going to try to interject and start talking about something I'm good at. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and stand over there and applaud and go, you're right, they are incredible about that. I'm just going to celebrate them. For as long as people want to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it because I'm going to keep the spotlight on them and not on me. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is humble. Love puts the other person before themselves. Now, you've been at weddings. You've heard this. You know there's more to it than this. He's not done. But as I started going through this, I realized, good grief, that's enough for us to work on for a while, isn't it? I mean, out of those three things, I bet every single one of us have at least one of those areas that we need to do some work. Now, Ladies, let me also tell you, this is a point where if your man looks at you later and says, babe, I think I'm pretty good at all three of those. Okay, you can tell him about that, okay? Because we've all got some blind spots. So if you're sitting there going, I think I'm good at all three of them, you probably don't have a good self-awareness. All of us need some work in at least one of these three. My question to you is, and we'll pick back up and look at the rest of it next week, but just out of these three, don't oh, love is patient, love is kind, love is humble. Where do you need to make some work? Where do you need to make some progress? Where do you need to grow and get better? Here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. This is not going to be easy, okay? But here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you're in a relationship, I want to encourage you to do this with whoever you're in a relationship with. If you're not in a relationship right now, do it with a friend. But would you be willing... To acknowledge where you need to grow. Would you be willing to acknowledge, to be honest enough to acknowledge to that person, you know what, I've been thinking about what I heard today and I'm just not patient very often. I realize I'm pushy and I pressure way more than I should. I realize that when I see weakness, I do not respond with kindness. Too many times I respond with harshness or criticism or judgment. I'm sorry. Would you just acknowledge it and apologize? Acknowledge it and apologize. That's it. Say, so I'm so sorry. I realize that I make everything about me. And I always try to steal the spotlight from you. I just want you to know I see it. I'm sorry. And you know, let me tell you why this is so important. This will not be new information for that person. Believe me. They are well aware of where you struggle. But it will mean the world for you to acknowledge it to them. It will be such a relief for them to know they see it. They see it. And then do not look at them and say, you know what? I'm so pushy. I'm just not patient enough. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that anymore. Do not say that last part. Because 15 minutes later, you're going to do it. And they're going to go, there you go again. I knew I couldn't believe you. No, no, no. Here's what you say. I'm not very patient. I pressure you way too much. I'm way too pushy. I'm always trying to you know, get you out of the house and get you ready for this and get you to make a decision about that. I'm always just pushing you. I'm sorry. And I'm going to work on it. That's all you say. I'm going to work on it. I'm not going get, to get it right. It's going to take a while. But I'm going to work on it. That one step alone might be a huge step forward in a relationship or a future relationship that you end up in. Just to say... I'm going to work on it. It's not easy. There are no shortcuts. So, well, can we get this fixed in a week? Nope, you can't get fixed in a week because you can't develop patience in a week. You can't develop kindness in a week. You can't change your character overnight. But you can over time if you're committed to work on it. Now, if you're sitting there going, wait a minute, Matt, here's my problem with this whole thing. You're acting like it's all on me. What about them moving at my pace? What about them being kind to me? What about them putting the spotlight on me? Okay, listen. This is all about you. It's not about them. And it's all about you for a couple reasons. It's all about you because you were all you control. You realize that, don't you? So you can keep saying, I wish they were more, I wish they were more, I wish they were more. Can't they be more patient? Can't they love me better? Can't they, can't they, can't they? No. That's the mentality of somebody who thinks, if I just find the right person, it's all going to be fine. That's not the way it works. The only thing you have control over is you becoming the right kind of person. You have zero control over whether they choose to become the right kind of person or not. But you know what happens more times than not? When you become more like that, it motivates and inspires them to become more like that as well. But you just have control of you. Now, the other reason I think this is entirely on you, and this is just for those of us who are followers of Jesus. If you're not, you get a pass on this one. But for those of us who are Christians, come on, think about this. Isn't this exactly how your Heavenly Father loves you? So how could you not feel responsible to learn how to love somebody else the way you have been loved by God? Isn't your Heavenly Father patient with you every Single day, all day, every day. We are the recipients of His patient love over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, you've never thought of it this way. But you know what God does for you every day? God accommodates to our capacity. This is the way He does. Imagine if God looked at you and said, You know what? You got to keep up with my pace. You you want everything to be good between us? Okay, well, come on, come on. And he was pressuring and pushing you to keep up with him. It is impossible for you and me to keep up with God's pace. Are you kidding me? That's not what your heavenly father does. You know what he does? He does what every great dad does. He gets down on his knee and he looks in the eyes of his child and he says, I know you can't keep up with me. I'm going to slow down and stay with you. I know you can't keep up with me. I'm not going to walk way ahead of you. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take you by the hand, and I'm going to help show you where to go. And when you stumble, I'm going to help you get up, and we're going to do it again. He accommodates to your capacity. He is patient with you over and over and over again. And then when you mess up, and when you screw up, and when you try to run away and walk away, When he sees your weakness, what does he do? He loans us his strength. He responds to our weakness with kindness. He says, it's okay, let me help you. It's okay, you're weak there. I'm going to give you the strength to do what you can't do on your own. I'm going to step in and do for you what you can't do for yourself. In another letter, this is exactly how Paul described it. He said, while we were still sinners... While we were still in weakness, Jesus died for us. In other words, he did not put his hands on his hips and say, okay, once you guys get it all figured out, and once you clean up that mess, and once you can straighten it all out and get a handle on your life, okay, then we'll talk. That's not what he did. Right in the middle of our mess, right in the middle of our weakness, Jesus walked right into it and met us right where we were and said, hey, I want to loan you my strength. I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to die and rise again to pay the penalty for all your sins, for, take care of all your weakness, take care of all your mess. And now I'm going to help you navigate your way out of this. And you're going to get forgiveness. A forgiveness that he patiently offers over and over again. And now you're going to get strength to be able to figure out how to live life the way you're created to live. Not only that, But God chose to serve rather than be served. You want to know what humility looks like in a relationship? Think about this. Jesus showed up on this earth, the only person who fully deserved and could have demanded that we all serve him. And instead, he took on the form of a servant. and He said, I'm here to serve you. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life for you. This is what it looks like. I'm not going to put the spotlight on me. This is what Jesus did. Imagine this. I'm not going to put the spotlight on me. Yeah, but you're God. I know, but I'm not going to put the spotlight on me. I'm here to serve you. But, but they don't deserve it, Jesus. It doesn't matter if they deserve it. I'm here to serve them. So, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, how can we go? Are you kidding me? It's too much work. Are you kidding me? I think they should change. Are you kidding me? They, I've given them so many chances. I'm just done being patient. I'm done being kind. I'm done giving them the spotlight. How in the world could we ever get to that point when every single day, this is what our Heavenly Father does for us? And Paul says, now, if you will just learn to love one another, starting with the people you care about and are closest to you, if you will learn to love them the way Jesus has loved you, it will change everything for you. You want to know how to stay in love, happy together forever? This is it. This is it. There are no magic bullets. There's no find the right person, fall in love, oh, I got my soulmate. it's all good. There's no, oh, we're committed, we made a promise, it's going to be fine. No, no. This is about becoming the kind of person who can love somebody else like Jesus already loves you. So, is the person that you're looking for? Are they looking for a person like you? Is the person that you're married to happy to be married to a person like you? If not, you've got some work to do. I've got some work to do. And it will not be easy. But it will be worth it. You can keep thinking, oh, if I just fall in love, it's all going to be fine. Falling in love requires a pulse. Anybody can do that. Staying in love requires a plan. And when you begin to work on that plan, and when you begin to become the kind of person, become the right kind of person that has the character to stay in love, everything will begin to change. And that person you think, oh my gosh, they're never going to change. They're so awful. They'll never be patient or kind to me. They'll never be humbled. No, no. You will be amazed at how they transform. But they'll transform because you've changed. And the love you are now showing them will change them in return. And we'll pick it up right there next week. Let me pray for us. Father, this is really easy to talk about and it is really hard to do because if we were honest, every single one of us, we're sitting here thinking, I push and I pressure and I'm not nearly patient enough. I don't pause to move at their pace. I don't even know if I want to. We're thinking, yeah, okay, I I do respond with harshness too often when I see weakness instead of kindness. Kindness. We do make it about us so often. And it's easy to say, well, this is who I want to be, but then we walk out of here, and an hour later we're going to be in a situation where we're not getting our way and not getting what we want, and we're going to respond with, by pressuring. We're going to respond with harshness. We're going to respond with judgment, with criticism, with condescension. We're going to try to make it all about us again. And so would you just give us enough courage to be honest with ourselves first of all and then honest with somebody else in our life? To just admit and acknowledge out loud, I'm struggling with this, but I'm going to work on it. I'm struggling with this, but I never actually thought about the fact that if I I could grow in this area, and by growing in this area, I'm going to make my ability to stay in love with someone so much greater. So help us to do the hard work. Not work that takes a day or a week, but work that's going to take a lot of time. To become the kind of people who have the character that we can respond with patience and kindness and humility. As we interact with everybody, but especially the people closest to us. And most of all, Jesus, thank you for modeling and demonstrating what this looks like for us. And thank you for continuing to show it to us every single day. If we fully understood just how patient, kind, and humble you are towards us on a daily basis... None of us would resist your love and none of us would resist a relationship with you because it is extraordinary. And it's what all of us most want. So thanks for showing us what that is and thanks for giving us the strength to be able to work on it and grow in these areas ourselves. We do need your help. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.